Well, good morning to you, and what a, what a great teaching we received from Beth on giving, so that was, that was great. In fact, uh, you know, a lot of times when we do take up the offering, because we care about visitors, you know, we'll say things like, hey, you don't ever have to give, Jesus is free, and that is true, uh, but part of pastoring is teaching and teaching people what's good for them. And so Beth just did that. And then we've been going verse by verse through the book of Philippians. This is part 18. And next Sunday will be my last week in Philippians. Don't cheer. Please don't cheer. And no woos. But next Sunday's our last week in Philippians. And one of the great things about going verse by verse through Scripture, because we don't do that all year long, but we do that, do that through part of the year, is it, it causes you to deal with passages you may not deal with. And so today... Um, we will talk some, not exclusively, about financially giving to the Lord. And so uh, Beth's, Beth kind of got us started off really good by talking about that kind of theme. But that's not the only thing we'll talk about because Jesus, Jesus teaches us so much about many things in life. So go ahead and get to Philippians chapter 4. And as you're finding Philippians chapter 4, either in your Bible or on the screen, uh, we're gonna, we'll, we'll start in in verse 14 in just a couple of minutes. Uh, but before we get there, let, let me tell you a cool story, a, a really cool story um, that happened quite a long time ago, 30 years ago. And so this is to the best of my memory of how it occurred. My friend Daryl uh, was a young adult, didn't have much money, uh, lived in Arlington, heard about a, a, a revival services happening in Fort Worth, and that's not too far. It's like 15 miles probably uh, between Arlington and Fort Worth. And so he only had a $5 bill, no food and no gas. And so he did what any young adult did, especially 30 years ago. You could get one gallon of gas for about a buck 25. That gets you 25 miles. And then he went to Taco Bell and got a couple of burritos. And with that $5, put the rest of the change in his ashtray. An incredible service happened that night, and he wanted to go back the next night. So he checked the ashtray, and the change had multiplied. And so he did it again. Now, question is, do you believe that story? First of all, I'm trying to remember how accurate it was, because it was a long time ago, and I made a phone call yesterday to try to verify could have someone, could his mom or grandma could have come in during the night or during the service and put more change in there? That's plausible. Or could an angel have done that? Or could have God just multiplied the change? I don't know. But when I heard the story, I believed the story. And within a short time frame, I got a call from, I was in, in college, I got a call from the lady who, who processed the money at our church. And she said, Aaron, come by the church. And that was very unusual for her to ask me that. I came by the church, and she said, someone in the church had left you a check, a $500 check anonymously. I was blown away. So I told my mentor, Brent Batson, about this. And he goes, Aaron, I believe that because you believe Daryl's story about the change multiplying, God's trying to confirm to you his provision. Yeah, that's a good story, isn't it? I'm thinking about that because... I'm going to share with you a scripture you're going to be able to hang on to. 
it's, you know, we're in this part of Philippians where there are some beloved scriptures, like some scriptures that you're like, oh, this is good. This is going to get me through a hard day. So let's, let's look at the whole passage, starting with verse 14, and then you'll pay careful attention when, when we get to verse, verse 19. Still, you did well by partnering with me in my hardship. And you Philippians know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek to profit that is increasing to your account. But I have received everything in full, and I have an abundance. I am fully supplied. I have received from Epaphroditus what you provided, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Now, here's the classic verse. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Verse 20, now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's amazing. I've been part of two church plants, and then I was part of merging this church, uh, merging a church plant with an existing church here, which now the result is what we're sitting in this service this morning. At each time, these were crucial births that were vulnerable. You know, because birth, birthing something's vulnerable. And God brought partners along. It's amazing how God brings you partners for ministry to help you accomplish what you can't accomplish by yourself. And when I look into the future, I look into the next 15 to 20 years, I'm more excited about our church than I've ever been before. And God's stirring me with with vision and stirring our team with vision and great hope for the future. And I want to tell you, you're part of that. You're a partner in that. Whatever phase of partnership you're in, whether you've been here for years or whether you're just you're coming on board now, we can't accomplish what God's called us to do unless we have each other. And that's what the kingdom of God is, is about. Back in chapter 2, Paul talked about this guy, Epaphroditus. And it's interesting about Epaphroditus, his, you know, his name was dedicated uh, to a, a god, a goddess. And this, this goddess, he was probably dedicated to her, yet the gospel of Jesus Christ changed his life and transformed him. And you may remember, we touched on this in chapter 2, he became such a valued partner to Paul. The church in Philippians uh, Philippi, they, they sent like a care package to Paul. They sent him like books and food and stuff like that to help him in prison. And then Paul said, hey, I, I'm not now sending Epaphroditus back to you, but man, he, he's to be honored. He risked his life for us. And then we see here how Jesus is changing unlikely people. And one of the things I've discovered in kingdom advancement is your partners are not who you expect them to be. You know, every time, you know, when we planted a church or when we've imagined starting a ministry, like when we started Awana in 2014, or when we, when we said, hey, God's called us to a full-time children's pastor, or when we, we decided to uh, do bless our neighborhood, we, we like, who, who can do that? Who can volunteer? Who can lead? And often God brought someone totally out of left field, someone we had not thought of before. 
or, or someone we, who was already here in the house, in the spiritual house that we had overlooked, that their gifts had just kind of been there, but we hadn't seen them. But God causes these unlikely partnerships to happen, to advance his work and advance his kingdom. And that's happening in you. This is not just about institutional church. This is happening to you. And this is my first point today. Is God supplies partners to build. That's number one today. And I want you to know this because God's called you to do something for him. It, it, it may, and I know it's partly in this church family. If you're called to this church family, there's things for you to do here. But there's also things for you to do with your friend network, your family, your neighborhood. There's things for you to do with your occupation because you're not, you're not just putting in time. You are in a vocation. You're, doing, you're stepping into God's design for your life. You have a ministry. Ministry is not just for people with a microphone or on the stage. Ministry is for all of us. We're all in ministry. We're all doing something. We're all called to do something. And here's the great thing about that. God has partners for you. Look again at verse 14. Still, you did well by partnering with me in my hardship. How many know that's when you need partners? Now, you got a lot of partners when things are good, but you need partners, especially in hardship. In the early days of the gospel, and you Philippians know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent gifts for my need several times. So this particular church stepped it up for Paul like no other church did. And I want you to begin to identify in your life people who have done that for you. Now, we as a church, you know, we've helped launch missionaries. We've helped plant churches. And there's sometimes we as a collective, God's called us to do something to help a partner initiate. So we help partners too. But I also see that as believers, God's bringing partners in your life for things you may not be looking for. Like, let's say childcare. I mean, it's in this day and age where we're kind of forced economically to, for both parents to work, and that's just the reality today. You've, you've got to have partners sometimes. You've got to have some people that you can drop off your kids to when, when you have no one else to drop them off for. And, and Beth and I, when we had toddlers, we were, we were in a situation where we were in a city where we had, didn't have family at that time. Now we do have family here. But when the kids were in diapers, we didn't have family. And wow, God had some key people who, who helped us. Like even when we launched the church, we, we had a sister who came over and, and would watch the kids while Beth would come and do worship practice. And, and then on and on, I could tell story after story after story about how we had help with childcare until our family could come, and, and they're part of that story also. I think about financial advice. God does want you to advance financially, and, and you're going to have someone that's going to give you a key piece of advice that's going to keep you from spending too much, or it's going gonna, it's gonna to keep you from selling something too soon. Or it's going to keep you from taking on more debt. And I think about sometimes advice comes from friends and it comes from conversations and it comes from classes like the church is offering. And, and you have a partner that's, that's helping you make better decisions. A, a professional mentor. You never know when that conversation at the water cooler or that that email of advice or that text you receive may put you on a pathway uh, to 
become unstuck professionally. And, and just that one call or that one piece of advice or that one lunch can make all the difference. Some of you, you have some Epaphroditus in your life, men like that and women like that, that you're overlooking the provision of God. God's been giving you advice. God's been opening doors. God's been nudging you to a direction. God has been looking for your welfare and you have overlooked it thinking, well, I don't have a mentor. Or I, I don't have someone that calls me every two days and asks me how I'm doing. Well, that's a good thing if you ever have one of those. I've never had one of those either. But uh, most of the time, God is bringing, he's bringing partnership around us. And, and so sometimes we have to have spiritual eyes to see what he's doing. Jesus had supporters, and they're probably not who people expected. Let's go to our gospel reading today in Luke chapter 8. And you'll, you'll, if, you've, if you've never Seeing what you're about to see, you'll be surprised. And, and if you have, you'll be like, oh, yeah, that is true. So Luke chapter 8, starting with verse 1. Afterwards, he was traveling from one town and village to another, preaching and telling the good news of the kingdom of God. I had to slow down my cadence because I heard the beautiful sound of Bible. The beautiful sound of Bibles rustling. So I was like, that's a great sound to a preacher. Thank you. But now, now you're caught up. The 12 were with him. Verse 2. Also, some women were with him who had been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses. Mary called Magdalene. Seven demons had come out of her. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward. Keep that in mind for next week because we may refer to that next week. Susanna and many others who were supporting them from their possessions. Look at that. These are empowered, successful, connected ladies who were supporting Jesus' ministry. On to verse 4. Actually, verse 3 is where we were supposed to end, so we'll just stop there. Who are your God-given partners? There are people that are surging forward God's call in your life. They're, they're pushing you on. They're pressing you on through encouragement. They're pressing you on through opportunity. They're pressing you on with advice you don't want to hear. Who is it that you're asking questions to? I don't speak at churches very often because I get to preach at the best church in the world right here. Back in July, I was preaching at, at a church where I was preaching four different times. And so after the first service, I did something that I wish people would do when they would speak here, but they don't do it. I asked the pastor, I said, how can I improve? And I was thinking, he's just going to tell me what a great preacher is. And he said, well, you did a great job, Aaron, but, and he told me two or three things. Guess what? It stung a little bit. But guess what? My next three sermons were so much better. So, so this is this idea of partners are pushing you forward in your call, calling you to improvement, keep calling you to, to ways that, that you can improve. Some of you need, need to tell, you know, sometimes you just need to be told by your friends specific things that can bring positive change to your life and can bring something great and powerful for you. Who are those partners in your life? Don't overlook them. Now there's this call. Be a partner. Be a partner with your prayers. Be a partner with your time. Maybe like people did for us. 
helping people with their childcare when you're able to. Be a partner with your encouragement. Man, it's amazing how people just melt with encouragement because there's so little encouragement in this life. And of course, as the text says, you know, be a partner with financial gifts. So am I suggesting that some of you are called to make money for the kingdom of God? Yes, I am. I'm not suggesting that. I believe the scripture says that. And someone needs to be here this today and you need to feel free to advance financially. That that's not a bad thing. All through scripture, there are people who are challenged financially and there are people who, who are financially successful. Jesus loves everyone the same. Here's the deal. The Bible warns about greed, the love of money, and materialism. I mean, Jesus is clear. These things take our hearts away from the kingdom of God. But if you're aware of that and you can say, Lord, if you can use my resources to where I don't love money and I'm not greedy and I'm not materialistic, you can be an instrument of financial blessing. You can do that. I know two men who, who, who happen to work more and longer in their career to fund their wife's ministry. And if I thought hard about it, it's not a gender issue. I'm, I'm sure I, I, I could think of a, a, a female who does the same thing for her husband's ministry. In fact, Beth did that for me uh, when I was a youth pastor, a junior high pastor. She worked downtown and she was a professional, made more money than me and subsidized my ministry. So my, my point is this, is that, that for those of you called to advance financially, that's a good thing. That's part of God's call on your life. So don't belittle that and, 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 and include the presence of the Lord in that. Speaking of jobs, you know, when we get a new job uh, and, and we're investigating a new job, there's a lot of things that, that interest us like culture and the attitude of our, of our potential boss and does it fit my gifts and is it the... Uh, the right skills and the right location for my commute and all of these, these tangible things are intangible things that we're trying to discern. But there's always a deal breaker question, at least for 99% of us. The, the question is, and I'd like to get this out at the beginning of the interview process, how much money do I get paid? Because I've been in that situation where I was like, this is perfect for my gifting and this is a great culture and a great team. And at the very end, I find out how much money they're offering. I'm like, okay, that job's not for me. Now, you guys must be more spiritual than me because you're like, how can you do that? And I suppose we do get in places in our life where that's not a factor, but probably in our 20s and 30s it is. So here's my second observation from the scripture today. God supplies a reward. God supplies a reward for his people. And I want you to see this in verse 17 because we can quickly overlook this. Paul wrote, not that I seek the gift. So he's saying, I'm not thanking you, Philippians, because I want more money. But I seek the profit that is increasing to your account. Now, this is such a rich passage. We can kind of sometimes read past that very quickly. 
He, he's saying this. I, I'm not just trying to get more money from you. I'm trying to give you credit. You were the church that was with me when no one else was with me. And I see the profit that is increasing to your account. So it's this idea that, that when we do good things for the Lord, there is an account that is building up. Now, we've been rightly trained, and this is a good thing to say, we're not doing this for, for a reward, and that's a good mindset to have. But the Bible is very clear that there are many, many spiritual awards. In fact, there are five different crowns we're going to get in heaven. I thought, well, that might be something good to preach on someday. I wrote it down in my future sermons. So maybe next summer you'll get, we'll talk about the crowns we get, the rewards we get. And so they're, they're clearly in the scripture. But, but we, we have this instinctive part of us that wants to say, well, what's the reward? God, what do you have for us? What is the reward? When David showed up, and, and he showed up because his brothers and all of the Israelites were being intimidated by Goliath, and there was this need to conquer the giant Goliath, he asked an interesting question. You can see it in 1 Samuel 17, verse 26. David spoke to the men who were standing with him, and he said this, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? And they told him what the reward was. You're going to get so much. You're going to get the king's daughter, so forth. This idea of there's part of us that wants to know what is the reward? What is the reward here? And this scripture is reminding givers and reminding those who invest spiritually and reminding, reminding partners. Not only are you an instrument in God's hands, God's going to reward you for being such an instrument. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 through 10 says it this way. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 through 10. I don't know if we got that in there. Okay, well then, it's, it says this, don't be deceived. God's not going to be mocked. You will, listen to this, let us not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. This is a powerful promise for God. Let's see if Hebrews 6.10 is in there. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. I love this. Be encouraged by this today. For God is not unjust. Amen to that. He's not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you demonstrated for his name by serving the saints and by continuing to serve him. Youth staff, Awana workers, 242 leaders, God is not going to forget what you're doing for the saints. When you cleaned your house and only one other person showed up, God is not going to forget that. When that kid was memorizing scripture and he was doing so good, but he smarted off to you at Awana when you had had a hard day, God is not going to forget that. He's not going to forget what you've done for the saints. He's not unjust. I'm going to tell you, pastors don't see everything, but God sees everything. You know, leaders forget what followers do, but God never forgets. You know, we, we don't give awards around here. One of the reasons why is every time God's put on my heart, or well, it wasn't God, I thought about giving out like a servant of the year award. That person ends up leaving the church a couple of months later. So I just said, okay, Lord, every time I, I'm not going to think about anyone needing an award. You give the awards in heaven because of that. But we overlook we overlook sometimes people who deserve awards. Or in my case, we don't even give out awards. We're low on the plaques around here. But God never overlooks what you do for him. 
And I, I want you to be encouraged by that today. And, and not just that, hey, God's nice, God's just. And so what you deserve, you're going to get. Even if it delays, it's going to come because God is a just God. And so we appeal to the justice of God to see that done. Now, there is a phrase that has become so popular, we think it's scripture. In fact, we could say it's Revelation chapter 23, verse 1. The Bible ends at chapter 22, that's why. And we say this, and I like to hear this. Where God guides, he provides. And that's one of those phrases that if you're losing your place preaching, you could just say, because where God guides, he provides. And everyone cheers, and you can look at your notes one more time. I just gave, a, I just gave a, a, a preacher secret. Whenever preachers say, turn to your neighbors and say something, I never do. I watch them look at their notes. That's what they do. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're looking good today. And they're doing this. Okay. Hey, we're family here, right? I forgot this is being recorded today. Sorry, all my preacher friends out there. As I look at my, as you laugh and I look at my notes. <laughs> so where God guides, he provides Not a scripture, but a great summary of scripture. Of all those Proverbs that Beth taught us today, where God leads us, he's going to provide for us. Here's number three. God supplies abundance for ministry. I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this. Sometimes we don't have abundance for things we want. So, hey, we can't take the trip this year. It's not the right time to move. It's not the right time to buy the house. Sometimes we make evaluations for that. But when it comes to the ministry God has for us, when it comes to sharing Christ, either verbally or through an act of love, he provides everything we need. You have enough to do what God's called you to do. I want you to hear that today. You have enough to love your kids. You might say it's going to be a slim Christmas this year. Your kids are going to have a great Christmas because they have you. They have you. You have enough to provide for your kids. You, you have enough to, to, to start having spiritual conversations with, with neighbors. You, you have enough to get through this tough season. I want you to hear this today. We, we've reminded you many times through this series that this was a, a prison letter written from prison. And it's, it's, it's a series about joy. And that context really, really reminds us why that's important. Your ministry, look at verse 18. I have received everything in full. I've received a care package from Epaphroditus. Now look at this. And I have an abundance. Now look at this next phrase, because some of you need to let this phrase sink into your spirit. I am fully supplied. I'm fully supplied. Having received from Epaphroditus what you provided, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, Pleasing to God. Now, I want you to hear what I'm about to say here. It is not God's will for us to be in perpetual need. I want want you to hear this. Some of you need a spiritual father to tell you, you must have a vision in your life that's beyond need. We have seasons of need, and seasons of need bring us to provision. God provides. So, yes, you're not going to go the next few decades without a need. But it's not God's will for you to be in perpetual need. If you're always in need, I want to challenge you to evaluate your spiritual life. Is it a contentment issue? 
We talked about that earlier in this book. Is it a maturity deficiency? Sometimes we just need to mature and realize what feels like a need. You know, what feels like a need for a three-year-old isn't a need for a 33-year-old. And what feels like a need for a 27-year-old shouldn't be the same need as a 50-year-old because there's a maturity issue and that applies spiritually too. Is it just a lack of wisdom? Some of you just need to create some momentum of good decisions. You're in a momentum of bad decisions. And so just now make a good decision this week and let it be the start of a momentum of good decisions. There should be seasons in our Christian life where you can say like Paul wrote, I am fully supplied. I want that to be a vision for you. Put, put verse 18 up just real quickly again. Look at that phrase on your screen. I am fully supplied. God, God can get you there. It may be through contentment. It may be through maturity. It may be through financial momentum. It may be through relational equity. But this time where we say, I'm fully supplied. I've got what I need. I'm not going to be in need because I'm going to be a partner and I'm going to give the encouragement I need. I'm going to give the love I need. I'm going to give the service I need. The service that I used to need now, I'm able to freely give it out to somebody else. For 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, says it this way in the New Living Translation. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all this by coming to know him the one who has called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. As we get to know Jesus more and understand the gospel more and let it become more the center of who we are, we become less needy. We become more content, more mature, and that's the formation of Christ in us. That's what's happening. It's happening with us service by service, year by year, decade by decade. To God be the glory for this. I remember when Sam's Club used to have premium members. Premium members got to go earlier than everybody else and had special lines. Now that happens at the airport. So at the airport you go and there's seven or eight different lines and everyone has to go through security, right? Everyone has to go through security. But there's a TSA uh, lane for those who have been pre-cleared. They still have to go through Much of the same process, but it's just a little bit different. The Sam's customers, you know, they they still, if you're not a premium member, you still have access to the food. You just can't get it at certain times. Well, this this leads me to my last point. And it's just a thought-provoking point for you that contextually I see here. Point number four. God supplies for the needs of givers. So that famous verse we like, Philippians 4, 19, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches. Contextually within the story, he was talking to people who had given. My God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Who is God going to supply for? Well, according to this scripture alone, to givers. So I want to speak to two categories of people here. First of all, I want to speak to those of you who are givers, you're generous, you're tithers, 
I want to call your attention to the verse we just read, Philippians 4.19. And I, I'm here to encourage you today to remember your faithfulness to giving, tithing, funding ministry. Um, God remembers that. I love the online giving option. Um, it's been helpful. But I think one of the things that it's taken away from us is that sense during worship where we're like, I'm physically giving some cash or giving a check as my worship. And that's why we pray over the offering every week. And we, you know, my, my giving is automatically deducted. And so that's, that's been helpful to me, helpful to the church. But we pray and say, hey, th- this is tangible. This is part of our worship. And I just want to remind those of you who are givers to claim this verse, 19, that God's going to supply all your needs. And you know this, that he won't forget. He won't forget what you've done. And here's our gospel application. We, we know this is that we could not earn our salvation. We couldn't purchase our salvation. We couldn't be moral enough for salvation compared to a holy God. But Jesus has supplied salvation for us. Jesus has supplied freedom for us. Jesus has supplied deliverance for us. I told you I was going to talk about two types of people. I've already talked about one, the givers. But I want to talk about the second person. If you say, well, man, I love that scripture, but I'm not a giver. Does it not apply to me? No, it still applies to you too. It still applies to you. Because why? Because we got to have a great God. And he's merciful and he's good. So I want to encourage our givers. But I want to say to those of you who aren't givers and maybe you're not generous at this point of your life, that um, you can start today. You can, you can buy someone a, a Coke or a coffee if you have $2. You can start being generous. You are a giver because you're a daughter of God and you're a son of God. And so this scripture does not exclude you. It launches you to who you already are. Because you've been redeemed, because you've been saved, because you've been adopted, because you've been set free, because you've been changed, this scripture applies to you too. Yes, contextually, yes, he's talking specifically to givers. But just because you haven't given the way you've wanted to up to this point, doesn't mean that God's not going to provide for you because he's a good God, isn't he? And you know what? If God saved you when you were in your sins, how many know that God can provide for you when you've just been a little stingy or you've made some unwise decisions financially? You know, financial, financial problems are not the unpardonable sin. Christians, including me, make poor decisions financially and we get upside down, turned around and all that. But our God will supply all our needs according to his riches and glory. So this message, yes, though contextually it is a promise for givers, it is including all of us because we have the spirit of God within us that makes us givers into his nature. You're under the mercy of God today. I want to speak this over your life. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus.